Welcome to our sermon series on the five practices of fruitful congregations. It's based on the book of the same name by Bishop Robert Snazzy. I encourage you to read along with us through the series. Today is our first sermon. The title is Radical Hospitality. That's the first practice of fruitful congregations, radical hospitality. Our text comes from the book of Romans, chapter 15, the first seven verses. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, give us hearts that truly love others, that welcome people into our spaces. But Lord, also help us to dare to be the stranger in other people's spaces as we carry your good news into the highways and byways around our community. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Somehow, I made hospitality about myself. As a young pastor, I eagerly embraced evangelism but as a means to success. People, new people, new members were the blocks on which I would build my career. Of course, I would never admit it back then. In fact, I don't think I understood that fact myself. I convinced myself that my concern was for the eternal state of souls. I saw myself on a mission to save souls throughout our community. When I moved to my first appointment in Winfield, I intentionally developed a worldview that only saw two types of people, church members and potential church members, at least while I was in Winfield. Now, when I went out of town, that was a different story. Those people were not my concern because they couldn't really join my church and therefore they couldn't help my career. But in town, I viewed people either as church members or potential church members. I devoted myself to evangelism, but really I had an eye for bigger churches. And church growth was a wave to ride. If I wanted to get bigger appointments and more acclaim, then I needed to be in bigger churches. And the way to get that was through growth, through church growth. And so evangelism was really less focused on saving souls and more on building my career. A number of experiences began to expose my self-centeredness, but none more embarrassing than what happened at a lunch one day in Rainbow City. And I honestly can't believe I'm sharing this story. I didn't really want to, but it was move-in week. I had just become the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Rainbow City. We had not even had our first worship service yet, so I was, I was really new in town. I didn't know anybody yet. 
my family took a break from unpacking to go to lunch at Betty's Barbecue. At the end of the meal, uh, I stood up to leave, but after standing up, I took one more deep drink of my Diet Coke. Just as I got a mouthful, I suddenly coughed. It surprised me, and I couldn't stop it. Diet Coke went all over my son and the woman behind him. <laughs> we were horrified. We got out of the restaurant just as quickly as we could. I was incredibly embarrassed. But the only thing I could really think was, I hope that woman is not one of my new church members. In my embarrassment, I was exposed. I valued church members more than other people. As long as my actions didn't hurt my career, it was okay. I determined her value by how her life affected mine. People were objects to be used, customers on which to build my business. Sometimes whole churches think that way. We want to grow, but just for our own benefit. Sometimes our primary motivation for evangelism is self-preservation. I've been amazed as I looked around our denomination that, that the only time we got really, really enthusiastic about evangelism is when we saw our financial coffers dwindling. When the money went down, we realized we need more givers. We weren't so concerned about souls as we were about paying bills. So evangelism becomes a means of survival. Later in my time at Rainbow City, we got heavily involved with angel food ministry. I know that Forest Lake did that ministry as well. But monthly, we were able to, to distribute over 350 boxes of food. We made groceries affordable to hundreds of struggling people in our community. I remember one of my colleagues at the time asked me, well, how many new members have you gotten out of it? I replied that we had gotten no new members from Angel Food Ministry. My fellow pastor had no further interest in the ministry. He didn't want to hear any more. He certainly didn't want to pursue it, even though it was feeding hundreds of people, even though it was feeding the least of these, just like Jesus told us to in Matthew 25. He had no interest in it because it was not serving the church. It was not serving his career. And I know that feeling. I have experienced that myself. Especially at this time in history, churches are focused on survival. There's a lot of interest in reaching new people, but so that we can be successful, so we can keep our doors open, so we can continue to have our church. And I understand that feeling. I really do. I, I live with that feeling. But the people around us feel no obligation to help us be successful. They really have no obligation to make us successful. Whether we survive or not is just not their concern. Now more than ever, unchurched people recognize it when all we want to do is use them for our own success. Churches offer really nice incentives for, for attendance. Several years ago, one church even gave away a car to a guest on Easter Sunday. But people know when they're being bribed. The unchurched people that I talked to about that story even asked that if God is so good, why do you have to bribe people with a car to get them to come to church? Using people for our own success. I don't think that's what Paul had in mind. 
Each of us must please our neighbor for the purpose of building up the neighbor. Not to build up the church, but to build up the neighbor. We're to be concerned in other people because other people are valuable. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The woman that I spewed my Diet Coke on in Rainbow City mattered not because of her potential church membership, but because she was a human being created in the image of God. I was more concerned about protecting my reputation and apologizing for my actions because I valued my career more than her personhood. The people that we served with Angel Food Ministry were not just prospective members, but real people with real needs that we could meet because of the grace of Christ. Radical hospitality is all about what we do and why we do it. We should absolutely do all that we can to invite and welcome people to church activities. Our greeters should be there with a smile to welcome people as they arrive. We should engage in conversations that show genuine concern for one another. We need to have good signage throughout the building so that people know where they're going. We need to have the kind of cleanliness in our church that we expect in our homes. We need to follow up with visitors to let them know how important their visit was to us. All of those things are critical parts of hospitality. We need to sit with the visitor in midweek meal. Even if you don't get to sit with your usual table full of friends, sadly, sometimes I have seen visitors come in and eat a meal and leave without ever having a conversation with our people. Be curious. Be more interested in learning about guests than telling them about us. But really, what good is radical hospitality if we restrict it to an hour or two at church each week? If all of our hospitality focus is on welcoming people when they come here, then it begins to look like we're using people just to try to build up our own organization. The neighbor that Paul mentions includes our co-workers, our acquaintances, and our actual neighbors in our neighborhoods. We have the opportunity to share the love of Christ in restaurants and living rooms and parks and exercise groups. When we drive off this campus today, we enter the mission field with an opportunity to share Christ's love. Sometimes hospitality means that we become the stranger in someone else's space. Jesus did that all the time. He went into other people's space. He became the stranger and in so doing was able to offer himself and offer his love to others. We do so simply because we love others. As, we, as Christ loves us. Our motive is that we love others because Christ loved us, not to build up our thing. Why is radical hospitality so important? Well, is our faith really important to us? Is this faith that we share, is it really life-giving? Is it transformative? Is it really that big a deal? Are people really valuable to us and not just for what they can do for us? but are people really of an incredible value to us? If people are that important and our faith is that important, then why can't we see the the need to bring the two together, to share our important faith with important people so that we all might be transformed together? 
want to offer a couple of challenges this week. Number one, consider ways that we can be better at welcoming people to Forest Lake United Methodist. This Wednesday night, look for somebody new to eat a meal with. Whenever you're around, look for who you can greet. Consider ways we can be we, that we can better welcome people at Forest Lake United Methodist. Number two, consider one way that you could be the stranger representing Christ in a new place. Maybe it's having a conversation with a neighbor in your neighborhood that you really don't even know. Maybe it's sharing a meal with someone. Maybe it's meeting a new person. How can you be the stranger and begin a relationship that might allow you to offer Christ? Radical hospitality. We, we go out of our way to share the love of Christ because Christ is important and because people are important.